This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. It's said that any society is three missed meals away from chaos. Think of that. We saw it in New Orleans when the levees broke. Three days and it's chaos. Three skipped meals in any society and it's chaos. Have you solved your food problem yet? Imagine what would happen if those that depend on you had no access to food because of whatever is going on in the world. The last thing you want to do is suffer through a crisis without access to food. And that's why I encourage you to take decisive action now while you can to protect yourself and your family by building an emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is standing by to help right now. This week, their four-week food supply is 99 bucks. That's 140 adult servings of easy-to-cook food that lasts up to 25 years, but you got to order now. Call 888-411-6875 or visit preparewithbeck.com. Limit two at this special $99 price, but the number to call is 888-411-6875 or you can go online at preparewithbeck.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. This week, we're looking into American healthcare and how we arrived at the system here in the United States, where as a citizen, to be in good standing and avoid penalties, you have to purchase a product that was mandated by the government. How did that happen? Obviously, we didn't go from the founding father's vision of healthcare, which was leave it to the states, leave it to the individual people, to Obamacare overnight. I mean, even as popular as FDR was, a guy who was elected four consecutive times, he couldn't get socialized medicine passed during his tenure. So how did it happen? Well, right after FDR, Harry Truman tried unsuccessfully to bring us socialized medicine. A decade later, another popular Democrat tried to rekindle the socialist healthcare agenda in the United States in the early 1960s. And he did it with really familiar rhetoric. The fact of the matter is that what we are now talking about doing, most of the countries of Europe did years ago. The British did it 30 years ago. We are behind every country pretty nearly in Europe in this matter of medical care for our citizens. Boy, does that sound familiar. We're the only ones, the only industrialized nation on earth not to have government, blah, 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 blah. All of which begs the question our moms used to ask us when we were kids. If everybody in Europe was jumping off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? There's a reason our forefathers left the European continent in the first place. Have you ever been to Europe? Somebody the other day said to me, the French telephone system really doesn't work. I corrected him. France doesn't work. Over here in the United States, decisions like health care and how to run your business left the citizens free. And at the same time, everyone in America realized their system was simply superior. To highlight this, I want you to hear from an expert on the subject, somebody who knows the British system firsthand. European Parliament member Daniel Hannan. Let me tell you about the realities of a national healthcare system. We've lived with one for 60 years in my country. And the first thing is that you are terrified of ending up in a national health hospital. 7,000 people died last year, 7,000 identified cases, heaven knows how many others, 
from afflictions that they picked up in hospital unrelated to the condition which they entered to have treated. Our hospitals are dirty places. They're places that you have to queue to get into. People frequently die while waiting for operations. Now look, these things can be easily anecdotal, right? Everyone can say I had a good or a bad experience. But what is not anecdotal is the empirical data on these uh, survival rates. You know, If you get prostate cancer in the United Kingdom, you are four times as likely to die as if you get it in the United States. If you get breast cancer in the United Kingdom, your survival rate is a quarter of what it is in the United States. Ditto for heart disease, ditto for stroke, ditto for surgery. I love this guy. Still with even the evidence mounting in the 60s that socialized medicine was far inferior to the system in place in the United States, progressives were attempting to gain control and they were hellbound to make it happen. However, JFK's efforts were cut short by his untimely death. So let's pick up the story with LBJ. Lyndon Baines Johnson former senator from Texas, incredibly ambitious, an egomaniac, and he set out to use JFK as a martyr to get his agenda passed. And, as we've talked about on previous serials, LBJ's heroes in real life were Woodrow Wilson, I hate that guy, and especially FDR. Johnson really wanted to pass the legislation. Programs instituted by FDR, programs which fundamentally changed America, That's what he wanted to do, and he did. He immediately got to work. He put together socialist programs by the hundreds that so many American citizens would become dependent on, like crack cocaine, and as a result, have to turn to the Democratic Party even more. The idea was to swing voters to them and their giveaways, and thus the power to Democrats permanently. The first steps America took into that socialized medicine world were part of that LBJ plan. It was around 1964 or 65 when LBJ announced his war on poverty and intended to pass the massive Medicare-Medicaid bill. But there were serious concerns about the cost of the program. Cost? It's going to save us money. Right. This was being said even at the time among LBJ's fellow Democrats. So Johnson put massive pressure on his allies in Congress to help him sell Medicare to the skeptical senators on the Hill with phone calls like this. My health program yesterday runs 300 million, but the fools had to go to projecting it down the road five or six years. And when you project first year, it runs 900 million. But the first thing Dick Russell comes running in and say, my God, you've got a billion dollar program for next year on health. Therefore, I'm against any of it now. Do you follow me? Right, right. Now, we don't want to stir up any more hornets, and we have to. As is always the case, the president downplayed the cost to gain support. In other words, he lied about the cost. But that's what progressive liars do. Another conversation about Medicare between the president and his key aide on the subject, Wilbur Cohen, is also enlightening. What are the insurance companies? Are they still raising hell? Well, mad? yes, I think they're going to go over to the Senate and raise uh, hell uh, on the uh, thing, because quite, uh, quite frankly, uh, there's no longer any room for the private insurance companies to sell insurance policies for people over 65 when you take the combination of hospital care and the uh, physician service. Yeah, okay, I think that's wonderful. So either LBJ wasn't listening to Cohen's response, or he believed that insurance companies losing the elderly market was wonderful. 
Either way, it demonstrated the zeal with which he attacked the issue. Johnson was going to pass Medicare the same way future progressives would eventually pass Obamacare. As I said, we go through the gate, the gates close, we'll go over the fence, the fence is too high, we'll pull vault in. If that doesn't work, we'll parachute in, but we're going to get health care reform passed for the American people, for their own personal health and economic security. Come hell or high water, the bill would become law, whether American citizens wanted it or not. And the fact was, when it came to Obamacare, the large majority of Americans did not want it. That's never going to be reflected in our history books. When the Medicare bill passed in 1965, for the signing, President Johnson traveled to the home in Independence, Missouri, of former President Harry Truman, who had tried a decade earlier to pass the same kind of bill. They told me, President Truman, that if you wish to get the voluntary medical insurance, that you'll have to sign this application form. And they asked me to sign as your witness. So you're getting special treatment since cards won't go out to the other folks until the end of this month. But we wanted you to know, and we wanted the entire world to know, that we haven't forgotten who is the real daddy of medicine. A nice moment for a hardcore and a softcore progressive. But how nice was that moment for the rest of us? At the turn of the 20th century, healthcare spending as a percentage of GDP was just one quarter of 1%. It took until 1961 for healthcare spending to hit a modest 1% of GDP. Then, following the passage of Medicare and Medicaid, healthcare spending increased rapidly, hitting 2% in 1970, 3% in 1980. By 1990, it increased again to 4%, then 5.3 three years later. Today, healthcare spending accounts for 7.6 of every dollar this country churns out, and it's expected to hit nearly 8 by 2020. So, has any of this been worth it? Is the drift towards socialism paying off? And if we decide it isn't, can we even go back? Listen to Daniel Hannon. So you might say, well then, why do you keep this crazy system of yours? When it is so obviously not working, when it's so obviously led to all of the things that we know socialism leads to, to corruption and to rationing and to uh, inefficiency, why do we do it? The answer is, once you have it, it is almost impossible to get rid of. The National Health Service is the third biggest employer in the world, after the Chinese Red Army and the Indian National Railway System. 1.4 million people work for the NHS. The overwhelming majority of those are administrators, managers. A minority are doctors and nurses. And yet, human nature being what it is, we are always more easily scared of the prospect of loss than we are enthused by the prospect of gain. And so people now feel trapped, almost like a battered wife, into sticking with what they know. Actually, Hannon is only slightly off. The U.S. Department of Defense is number one at 3.2 million. The Chinese Army is two at 2.3 million. Walmart is three. And McDonald's is fourth, with Britain's NHS a very close at fifth in the world. Cost, however, isn't everything. There is the freedom factor to consider. 
as well as quality of service, especially with healthcare. You want the best possible treatment available. That's why none of us would ever choose to go to the VA if we had a choice. If you listen to many of our politicians today and the people like Michael Moore, you probably believe that U.S. healthcare ranks just ahead of Zimbabwe, but behind of Mozambique in quality of care. But how accurate is that narrative? I looked into that. We do that in the next episode. Glenn Beck, the Blaze Radio Network. It's said that any society is three missed meals away from chaos. Think of that. We saw it in New Orleans when the levees broke. Three days and it's chaos. Three skipped meals in any society and it's chaos. Have you solved your food problem yet? Imagine what would happen if those that depend on you had no access to food because of whatever is going on in the world. The last thing you want to do is suffer through a crisis without access to food. And that's why I encourage you to take decisive action now while you can to protect yourself and your family by building an emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is standing by to help right now. This week, their four-week food supply is 99 bucks. That's 140 adult servings of easy-to-cook food that Last up to 25 years, but you got to order now. Call 888-411-6875 or visit preparewithbeck.com. Limit two at this special $99 price, but the number to call is 888-411-6875. Or you can go online at preparewithbeck.com.